I love this pulpit. It's a huge pulpit. <laughs> it is so dense. <laughs> as, uh, has Dan stepped out from behind it since I've been gone? Has he, has he done that? Has he kind of stepped out yet? You've got to be patient with him. It gives him a lot of comfort to stay behind his pulpit. So. <laughs> Um, well, greetings to you from Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, your associate pastor, Randy, is down there preaching to our flock this morning from 2 Timothy 3. I got to spend some time with Randy on Tuesday, took him out to lunch, and uh, man, I just uh, really see Christ in his life, and I'm grateful that he gets to feed our sheep this morning. So, but we give you greetings from our church because there has been so much support from this church to ours that we are appreciative at a deep, deep level. And so I can say that we wouldn't exist as a church apart from this church. And yes, that's true because this church sent us out, but also the continued love and the continued support has made it so I can continue to say we would still not exist if it weren't for this church. We, wouldn't, we would not continue if it weren't for this church. So I am grateful to the Lord for uh, the prayers for uh, the, the financial contributions, for the encouragement, from your, your text that you send me. Those of you who have been sending me texts and saying, we're praying for you, and, and how are things going down in Mansfield? Thank you so much. We feel loved by this church. Um, and even though I don't know some of you, I know that you're part of the support system that uh, Calvary Bible Church is to Living Hope Bible Church. So praise God for you. Well, uh, I do want to take us uh, to the Word, and I want to give you some encouragement and hopefully equip you for the transition you're about to make as a body of believers. But before we do that, uh, we need to give this to the Lord. So let's pray again. Gracious Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory as we um, think about ministry, Lord, and how you enable it, and it is to be done for your glory, Lord. So thank you for being so awesome so as to deserve all of the glory. Thank you, Lord, for equipping us for ministry, Lord. Church planting ministry, ministry that remains here, and all of it, Father. You are worthy of all of our affection and all of our sacrifice because of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so now as we come to the word of God, may we be captivated by it. May we uh, look into the text, and may we be transformed by the Spirit's work, using it from one degree of glory to the next. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the years uh, since Living Hope Bible Church was sent out from Calvary, I've been asked how things are going by a number of people. And I've often told the people who have asked that there are no church planting experts at Living Hope Bible Church. Not me, not Ryan, not anybody from the core group. There's no church planting experts. Rather, what we have is a body of believers saved by grace who are dependently seeking to be faithful to the one who has given us a good work to do. The one who has saved us and made us his own and he has sent us out to be his representatives. And that's who we are, dependently seeking. Did you hear me say that? We know that we can do nothing apart from Christ. And sometimes it has felt to us like we've gotten to the next year just being held together by a bunch of duct tape. It's felt that way. But we know better because the Great Commission ends in verse 20 of Matthew 28. Jesus says, behold, 
I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we haven't been held together by duct tape, although it feels that way sometimes. He has been with us, and because he's been with us, we have been sustained, and he has been glorified, and we have been fed and loved and well taken care of. And Calvary Bible Church is a means to that end. So praise the Lord. As I think about <clears throat> church planning this morning, I want to remind you that it's an endeavor that is to be celebrated. It is a sacrifice to be supported. It is a goal to be excited about. But it is also hard. It's hard on those involved. And not just in the long run, but especially at the beginning. It's difficult. And not just for those who go, but also for those who stay. For those of you who remain at Calvary Bible Church. There will be increased responsibility. There will be distance in some of your relationships. There will be strain where there was once ease. And there will be days when you ask yourself, was this really the best choice? And then there will be other days when you're tempted to throw in the towel and walk away. When those days come, you'll need truth. You need God's truth, and you'll need to have it ready so you can preach it to your heart so that you don't throw in the towel, so that you don't walk away, so that you don't doubt that this was what God was calling you to. So my goal this morning is to provide you with some of that truth to help you persevere with joy in the good work that God has given you to do, whether you're going Christ Fellowship Bible Church or whether you're staying Calvary Bible Church. And so I have five truths to sustain you in this transition this morning. Five truths to sustain you in this transition. So number one, this is a new opportunity for faithfulness. This is a new opportunity for faithfulness. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Look with me at the last section there of the chapter, verses 36 through 38. I want to start here. This is after Paul has given his final address to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And he's been there for over three years ministering. And this is what happens right before he leaves. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them. Prayed, prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. <clears throat> so there's sorrow here. There's sorrow in this scene because they expect not to see Paul again. He's leaving. He's moving on. He's got other things the Lord's calling him to. And so they weep, they're mourning, they're going to miss him dearly. But something important comes right before these verses. Paul has final instructions for these elders of this church. Look with me at verses 28 through 32, same chapter. Paul says, 
Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. These are instructions. And the very nature of the fact that he has given instructions to these elders means that after he is gone, they are not to be wallowing in sorrow. They are not to be hanging their heads low and simply wishing he were back and things were the way they used to be. No, there's work to be done. He's given instructions. There is a job. There's responsibility. They have to steward this responsibility well. Why? Because he says that this is the church that was bought with the blood of Christ. So they had better steward it well. He says the fierce wolves are coming. They're on their way. And even enemies will arise from within their own congregation. They need to do the work of protecting. They've got to get busy. Paul is gone. Ministry is going to look different, but the need for faithfulness remains. Paul leaves, but the need for faithfulness remains. And the same is true for you. As ministry is going to change for Christ Fellowship Bible Church and for Calvary Bible Church, Ministry is going to look different, but the need for faithfulness doesn't go anywhere. And so don't dwell on all of the things that you wish would stay the same. And don't spend your time yearning for the things that you wish hadn't changed, things to go back the way that they were. Don't think of everything that was but think of what can be. If you trust the Lord and you set your feet to obeying the Lord, what can be? What can you see the Lord do? How can you be used by His grace? How can you see His hand at work in you and through you? Things will be different, but faithfulness must remain. Think of souls. Think of their need for salvation. Think of the need for growth among those who sur surround you, no matter what church you are with. And remember this too. Something in verse 32 is extremely important to remember because faithfulness must remain. But look what Paul says in verse 32. He says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So one commentator says, Paul is leaving, but God is not leaving. You, all, you have God, you have his grace. The Ephesians are left in the care of God. There are no better hands to be left in. And so you will have everything necessary to be faithful, to look to the next opportunity, to say, yes, I, I, there is things about now. 
that I wish were different. But I'm not going to wallow in that. I'm not going to meditate that and dwell on that. Rather, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to trust God, whose able hands I am in, and honor Him with the opportunities that are before me that are brand new. So there's hope. They have what they need to be faithful, and you do too. Will you preach that to yourself in moments when you begin to despair, wanting things to be the way that they were? Will you tell yourself, this is a new opportunity for faithfulness, my Lord? Point number two, truth to sustain you in this transition. Number two, true comfort is found in God, not in your circumstances. True comfort is found in God, not in your circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Paul calls God the God of all comfort. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, Paul says to the Thessalonians, may our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father comfort your hearts. And you know Psalm 23, verse 4, for David, who says that um, when he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he will not fear. Why? Because the rod and staff of God will comfort him. These verses tell us that comfort is found in the Lord, yet we so often seek comfort elsewhere, outside of the Lord. And it's in trials and transitions that often show us the things that we have been seeking comfort in outside of God. It exposes those things that we've been putting all of our weight on for comfort. You will lose familiarity and routines. There won't be the numbers that you're used to in terms of people. And for those going on the church plant, the comfort of an established church, that's not going to be your experience. For those staying, you'll miss the comfort of certain people doing what they've always done in those positions of ministry you've always seen them in. This transition will move you out of your comfort zone. For both churches, that's true. And that's a good thing. Being moved out of your comfort zone, it's a good thing because you'll feel an ache for comfort, but those places that you've sought comfort previously will no longer be there, so you'll be propelled to God. You'll be propelled to His Word. Look with me at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 52. Look what the psalmist writes in verse 52. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. What brings comfort? The Word of God, the truth of God brings comfort. But look at verse 54. Your statutes have become my songs in the house of my sojourning. Can we say that about His Word? Do we love them so much? Are we walking in them? Have we embraced them so that we say they're my songs? I sing for joy of His Word. Charles Spurgeon says of verse 54, when religion is set to music, it goes well. 
When we sing in the ways of the Lord, it shows that our hearts are in them. We need, when we are yearning for comfort in this transition, when you are yearning for comfort in this transition, go to his word. When those, you, you'll see that those other comforts aren't there anymore. Go to the true source of comfort that is God. This transition sits on top of a pile of other things in your life that are unfamiliar, new, and difficult. And that's 2020, right? But you must not run to your phones for comfort. You must not run to the headlines. You must not run to social media for comfort. Open up the Bible. Immerse yourself in his word. The reason why I say that is because I, I know the pull for us all to rather chug down all of the new content that we can be exposed to daily when we open up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, news headlines, and just drink in the new content that's replacing itself consistently. And it's an ever-flowing news channel. We get caught up in it. Are we, are we plunging into God's word? In comparison to the way that we plunge into what we can find on the internet? Just measure that and take a minute to, to think about your use of social media or the news websites that you frequent. How would you compare the time you spend with God and His Word to what you do online? Seek comfort in His Word because, you know, Romans 15, 13, Paul says this. He says that there is joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace in believing. Believing what? Believing what's revealed for us in Scripture. I want to read to you another quote from Spurgeon. We like Spurgeon at Living Hope. Do you guys like Spurgeon? It's not just because he has a great beard. It's because he loves Jesus and he's a great preacher. This, you may know this quote. J.I. Packer uses it at the beginning of his book, Knowing God. Spurgeon says, Oh, there is, in contemplating Christ, a balm for every wound. And musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Spirit, there is a balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity. And you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of grief and sorrow, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. As from a couch of rest, you plunge the depths of who God is if you think deeply about his character who he is, what he's done for us in Christ, that is where your soul will have its balm and its comfort. You can have a couch of rest 
as you meditate upon the law of the Lord day and night, or like so often it feels like you want to spend your days and nights just walking through social media, immersing yourself in that, and it feels, when you're done, it feels like you've walked through a car wash, right? I get done and it feels like I've walked through a car wash emotionally. There's not comfort in that. We're promised it in his word. Number three, truth to sustain us in transition. People are going to hell. This is sobering, I know, but this truth can help us stay focused on the mission because the mission is to make disciples, right? There are people that need to hear of Jesus. There are people that need to grow and change. They need to be taught to obey all that Christ has commanded. People are going to hell every day. And so that is why church planting is so important. Matthew 5. Although so many people think that hell is just a part of a a caricature of an angry brimstone preacher of days gone by, we know better than that because our Lord spoke of hell. He taught hell. He believed hell is a reality, and we must as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Look with me at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, the very last verse at the end of this passage on the final judgment, the sheep and the goats, verse 46 of Matthew 25, says this, and these will go away, the wicked that is, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, this is important about verse 46. The same word is used to describe punishment and life. So if you have eternal life, you also must believe in an eternal hell. Same word is used. Eternal punishment. It's reality. And that's important when we're talking about church planning because I believe church planning is the best way to do evangelism. I think it's the best way to do it because you're putting a community of believers in a city or a town, and they're there to live a life of transformation before the people that they put themselves around in their neighborhoods, in their places of employment, in the grocery store. They live a life of transformation, and they speak the truth of Christ. They invite their neighbors and their family members to come to church, and it is a recipe for people not only just hearing a one-time gospel presentation, but seeing lives that are changed by that gospel and experiencing what they look like in community and how different they are and what Christ does with people whenever he saves them and converts them. And that is used as well to help bring people to Jesus. As they declare the gospel, they show that their lives have been changed by the gospel and the Holy Spirit uses that to save And so, what a wonderful work to be celebrated. People are going to hell, and this is a way that Calvary Bible Church is saying, we want to be used by God so that more people know Jesus and say along with Paul that knowing Christ is of surpassing worth 
compared to everything else. You've got a church, when you church plant, you've got a church in another community. They're, they're praying for specific souls to be saved. And they are inviting them to the worship service. They're being driven by the command to make disciples. There are people in Lake Worth that you will never have met otherwise, that you'll be crossing paths with, you'll be meeting, you'll be spending time with. And that means they get to hear the gospel from you. That's the hope and that's the prayer, that you would see that as an opportunity to say, this person needs Christ. I want to be that mouthpiece for them. I want our church to be the part of, playing that part of making disciples in this neighborhood. There are souls that deserve hell, but in the plan of God, there's a church being planted in Lake Worth. And the prayer is that your voice and your life will be used for their salvation. And this is a joint effort. I don't want you to forget this. Just like it was for Living Hope Bible Church. This is a joint effort, meaning that the church that is staying is also sending. That, that is a part of church planning. It's a huge part of church planning. The church staying is sending. Yes, those are going, and they're, they're going to do a good work there, but you have to support them. You've got to be for them what they need through your prayers and your financial contributions and your constant encouragement so that they keep doing the work that's hard to do out there in Lake Worth and starting from the ground up. CBC has blessed Living Hope as our sending church financially through continuous counsel. Your counsel to me, I'm, I'm on the phone with Dan all the time getting counsel. I mean, I, I, he, he picks up the phone. He still picks up the phone. It's great even though I constant, constantly call him. Encouragement. We know we're not alone. We felt that. That's important for a church plant to know that they're not alone in the effort, that they've got people standing behind them. Perhaps you know, uh, some of you know Chris Johnson, the missionary. I think that you guys support as well. He's a good friend. And he posted this picture I saw recently where there was uh, a man who was on, kind of on a log that was uh, protruding out over a raging river. And he was uh, walking out onto the end of that branch or that log uh, to get a sheep, a sheep that was, was going to be washed down the river. And so he had one arm around this sheep that was going to be lost down the river, and his other arm was, was on, holding onto a guy that was on the shore that was bracing him so that he could be pulled back in. And the picture said that the, the man grabbing the sheep was a missionary, and then the local church was standing behind him, gripping his arm so that he could have the support he needed to do that. And of course, the sheep represents the lost person, right? I think that's true for church planning as well, the sending church being that support and the church plant reaching out to pull sinners from the flames, so to speak. Point number four, truths to sustain you in this transition. Weakness displays grace. Weakness displays grace. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12. I want to read verses 7 through 10, make a few comments here. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. 
So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Have you ever thought it strange that Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses? Or when he says, I am content with weaknesses? Doesn't that sound strange to your ears? to your American ears? Paul doesn't know what the American spirit is, apparently. Why does he use such strange language? Why does he speak this way? Because it is through Paul's acknowledgement of his weakness that Christ puts his strength on display as he helps Paul persevere in faithfulness. That's why in this transition, you too are being put into a place of weakness, CBC and Christ Fellowship. You're being put into a place of weakness, but don't fight it. Accept it, and don't just tolerate it, embrace it, because it's through that embrace that the power of Christ comes. It's perfected in you. And he puts that power and that grace on display so that you get the help and he is glorified. See, when you're weak and you accept that and you embrace that, there's no question of where the strength comes from. You won't confuse yourself with the source of strength. You won't say, oh, it must have been me. No, because you're weak and you've acknowledged that. You've embraced that weakness. You said, I am weak. I need you, Jesus. And when you do that, and he sends that power and that grace to help you and to sustain you, it'll be so obvious to you that you will celebrate him. It'll be so obvious to you that you'll say thank you and you'll worship him, and other people will see the strength as well, and you'll say, that wasn't me, it was Jesus. And so he gets the glory, and you get the help. He gives you what you need, and then you turn right back, back around and you say, he is worthy. He is kind. He lavishes grace on the weak. 